Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and, and the, the world, world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweed's Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed's Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. everybody. Get ready. It's going to be a weird Christmas this year. I can't wait. <laughs> you don't even have to stand in line to go shopping this year because you can't. They won't let you. Go online to shop. No, don't do it. Go to all your local stores. Oh, crazier. Welcome to Wednesday, Wednesday, everybody. Bellstar here. Canvas Kid's not here today. Hopefully on the on the uh, airways will be here. Although Silver Sister's here and her family is uh, they are cruising around this country. Kids, be careful out there. Wild and crazy kids. All right, we say Wednesday, everybody. Looking at my uh, there it is sound effect board and all that good stuff. All right, all right, thank you. Check out says it sounds good. All right, drive safe while listening. Hey, folks, how's it going? Uh, we've got a guest this morning, which is going to be really fun. Jackie Cohen Roth from Maryland is calling in soon. And um, we're going to chat with her in just a little bit. But first of all, we'd like to say welcome to Weed Day Wednesday and thank you to Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down if you want to get certified. Uh, if you don't know how to get certified, you want to, you know, get some answers discreetly, you can go to tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. If you want to chat with us, just give us a call. We are always uh, willing and ready to answer the phone, 520-838-4430. That is when the phones are working. Horizon. One star. The bad phone. And that, that's really deserving. <laughs> One start for that, one for that. Sorry, folks. They go in and out. It's not our fault. We're trying. Um, so get on over to tumbleweedshealthcenter.com and check out the certifications section. You can book your appointment. I guess the little square that looks maybe like a piece of wood that says book appointment isn't really expansory. <laughs> Hit it. 
Hit that button. Maybe I'll make flashing lights that say this is a button. <laughs> um, you can find out what conditions qualify you for a medical cannabis card. And remember, if you don't hear your ailment on the list, don't worry. Uh, it's probably covered um, under the program, and we'll tell you how. But if you have PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, severe nausea, and right there, chronic pain covers everything. Because we most of the program consists, I think, of chronic pain um, uh, patients uh, because it covers, you know, your back pain, your migraines, your IBS, uh, endometriosis, fibromyalgia, polymyalgia, um, DDD, uh, any of your um, just people come in and they're just, you know, over 50. Uh-oh. Yeah. We're close. Don't even say it. Don't even say it. Oh, you guys. You get aches and pains and weird things happen. <laughs> it's not the funnest. <laughs> so uh, chronic pain covers a lot. So don't think if you're not hearing your condition, it's probably here. Seizures, including epilepsy, but that covers the whole gamut. Um all the seizures, so Parkinson's, things like that. Um, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis, HIV, Hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's, runs the gamut to dementia and then some, uh, cachexia, or wasting syndrome. And the great thing is, if you didn't hear your condition on here, if you're suffering from something and you're taking a medication or a treatment of sorts that's making you feel any of those things, you can get your card for that, definitely. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. Are chronic conditions holding you back from a happy, healthy life? Get on the right track with Tumbleweeds Health Center. Our CBD products are formulated to fit your healthy lifestyle. I would definitely say that CBD has changed my life. I mean, I don't worry about my dog anymore, and I don't worry about sleeping anymore. Tumbleweeds Health Center, voted number one health center in Tucson, has created a proprietary number of CBD blends, each designed to promote health and well-being. Let Tumbleweeds Health Center show you how CBD products might help you improve your life the natural way. Mm-hmm. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. We want to also thank Growers House at 3635 East 34th Street. Um, get on down there for all your growing needs. I bet they are getting excited because if recreation passes, if they're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of wannabe growers down there. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> Took me a while to learn. My buds are recognizable now. <laughs> anyway, yeah, when you first start growing, or when I did anyway, which was like 12 years or 12 years now, I think, um, I've been growing auto flowers. Yes, that's right. They're real, and now you all want them. <laughs> They're awesome. Um, but th- when I first started growing, they um, it l- looked more like uh, wispy win- willows in the wind kind of thing. <laughs> And I remember 
I wore the joint with it. This is a great story. And I can tell because it's all about weed. Um, and and um, Silver Sister and some friends and I went to go see Pink Floyd. Yeah. And I rolled some of these joints, you know. <clears throat> and um, we were, we were um, getting ready to partake. And my friend goes, what is this crap? <laughs> and she was like, this, this, this looks and smells. What is this? And I was, I said, oh, I grew it. <laughs> she was like, oh. And uh, I ended up naming it Creepy Pink because she took a couple hits. And she was like, yeah, I don't feel much. And 10 minutes later, she was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she was just slayed. <laughs> so it was as shiny as Tinkerbell, and it creeps up in on you. So we call it Creepy Pink. And um, it was spectacular. And later, I learned, you know, how to grow better, and uh, it took a fierce, and the buds actually looked like buds. <laughs> so I can't wait. If this thing passes, which is a, you hope not, hope not um, I'm going to be growing. Six plants, y'all, look out. <laughs> look out. All right. Also, let's thank Canna Health, online digital magazine. Here it is. Canna Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals, profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe, so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. There you go. It's free to subscribe. Um, okay. Well, you know what? I think maybe we had a miscommunication in our um, uh, having a guest on, so no worries. We will have them on next week. And golf clap for that. No worries. Most likely my fault. I thought it was just Wednesday. Not a big deal because we can get back to reading um, the Safe and Smart initiative. Yep. We'll get to reading that. So let's see what else is happening. Um, you know, and that really is the most important thing is to read these initiatives. I know you're going to hear a little lecture right now, but seriously, folks. Um, it, and I, I'm nervous about voting and all the things that have to do with Arizona. And I need to start reading them because I don't like to go to the voting polls and just randomly pick things and say yes and no and oh this looks good and this might you know this could be okay because what if it isn't because this is not a good initiative it's a bad initiative and the fact that people are excited about it is literally literally scary they're just selfish they just you're just selfish um <clears throat> line from a movie <laughs> can't even say it's so politically wrong. I won't even say it on air. It's just so bad. Okay. Um, but if you want to see some really politically wrong, uh, really funny movie with uh, Seth Myers or Seth McFarlane, um, A Million Ways to Die in the West, get the extended version. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right. So 
just read the initiatives. And, and that's all. I get nervous when I go to the polls and I haven't done my due diligence in reading things, even about the local um, initiatives that are, that are coming up to be voted on. All the props, you see the signs, 207, 208, vote yes, vote no, do this, do that. And really, we need to quit being guinea pigs and we need to start educating ourselves um, like we're doing here. And listening to it, reading it, you know, I, I don't consider myself the best reader. Uh, it's just what I was told in school my whole life. I do all right. Um, but, you know, there's, this is not a fun thing to read. <laughs> now, Doug Fine's book is a great thing. This, however, is not fun. Who wants to sit and read 21, sorry, 17 pages of an initiative that they just want to know that they can have weed and grow? You know, and sure, that's all you want.
close to the Black Dirt region in southwestern Orange County. The prison originally closed in 2007, and before that time, it was a youth reform farm where troubled youth worked with farm animals. Uh-oh, that oh, doesn't sound good. After the prison closed, of course, the town of Warwick bought the land back from the state to establish the Warwick Family Office and Technology Corporate Park. As cannabis grows in popularity, Warwick officials realized the need for a lab site to test cannabis in the area. We settled very quickly on a hemp development cluster in Warwick, said uh, Mike Sweeten, supervisor of <clears throat> the town of Warwick, regarding the decision to make the spot cannabis-centric. Uh, Catch a, catch a lab. The new lab that has just opened in the old prison site is a 9,000-square-foot testing lab on the former Mid-Orange State Correctional Facility site. The lab officially opened with a ribbon-cutting ceremony this Monday and is ready to begin testing for the area. Uh, catch a offers the most advanced facility of its kind in New York um, <clears throat> for medical cannabis and hemp products, and they even offer a 48-hour turnaround time to ensure products are tested in a timely manner that keeps up with and demand. They also claim to provide testing services for potency, heavy metals, microbiology, and environmental contamination. Yeah, catch a plans to expand on those options if given the proper approval. Quote, Warwick has always been known for agricultural background and its interest in technology. Both of those do combine together in this type of facility. Then you have Warwick's proximity to New York City, which is going to be really 80% of the market in New York State, said founder and CEO of Catcha Labs, Marco Padron. Uh, sorry, Padone. Check, uh, quote, we check for potency, said Marco Padone, the lab's co-founder. Quote, we look for pesticides, biotoxins, and heavy metals. Oh. It's not like <clears throat> the Geico rat commercial. We have a rat problem. <laughs> Ryan, I know you're laughing in the car. Okay. Quote, we provide detailed and comprehensive certificates of analysis for all tests we perform in accordance with both state and federal regulations. Their website expands. Quote, we develop and validate all testing methods utilized by our network of laboratories. These methods are approved by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, International Standardization Organization, the ISO, United States Department of Agriculture, Food Safety and Inspection Services Association of Analytical Chemists, AOAC. Mm -hmm. Cannabis will continue to boom and grow in New York, and the services of Kacha Labs will be in demand as the need for more prisons dwindles with the advent of legalization. Right. Okay. Excellent. So I hope the sound is still good. Um, I could check that on my phone right now. Sounds pretty good to me. All right, let's see what's going on in Arizona, yay, and find out what's happening. New Jersey might add legalization to the state's ballot. Yep, that's true. Um, we're going to read this stuff, so don't worry about it. Uh, AZ researchers affirm marijuana use is linked to reduced opioid use. I hate that. It just reminds me of little Opie Cunningham. <laughs> He wasn't on opiates, but I can't. I can say that better than opioids. <laughs> Researchers affiliated with the University of Arizona analyzed data from multiple studies that involved over 7,200 parts going on, and I just use the weed. It's just the best stuff that there is to use. Um, the research. 
researchers found that, quote, a much higher reduction in opioid uh, dosage reduced emergency room visits and hospital admissions for chronic non-cancer pain by MC medical cannabis users. Oh, MC. (laughs) That's a new one. Uh, MC users compared to people with no additional use of medical cannabis. Um, There was 64 to 75% reduction in opioid dosage for MC users and complete stoppage of opioid use for chronic non-cancer pain by 32 to 59% of MC users when compared to patients without additional use of MC. Several other studies have also concluded that chronic pain sufferers that use medical cannabis, medical marijuana, typically are able to reduce or eliminate their opioid use normal reported. And that's true. Uh, We find that to be very true at Tumbleweed Telson. Given the current opioid epidemic in the USA and medical cannabis's recognized analgesic properties, uh, medical cannabis could serve as a viable option to achieve uh, opioid dosage reduction in managing non-cancer chronic pain, the researchers concluded. All right. You want to know the difference between um, medical cannabis and recreational cannabis? Nothing. (laughs) You're still getting medicine in there. (sighs) Although, I know that was funny. Although, um, I'm concerned with the recreational. I hope it's as well. It better all be tested. So, yeah, we're getting to all that. It it has to be tested, but... (laughs) With, with this dispensary initiative, um, they're going to use their own labs to test their own products. I know, right? <laughs> Are we that dumb, guys? Come on. Whoa, we got to stop the madness. All right, so let's see. Speaking of madness, let's, let's read a little, and then we can uh, get to the Doug Fine um, book time, story time. I love it, Doug Fine story time. Woo-hoo. Okay, so. I think we're on section 36-2853. This is the Safer Air Smart and Safe Act. Uh, Violations, classifications, civil penalties, additional fines, and enforcement. So here you go, kids. Here's where the law comes in. Law don't go around here. (laughs) How's that? You good? All right. Let's see. There we go. Gotta get boring, kids. Turn something fun on music. All right. A, notwithstanding any other law and except as otherwise provided in this chapter, a person who possesses an amount of marijuana greater than the amount allowed pursuant to Section 36-2852, which is one ounce, but not more than two and one-half ounces of marijuana, of which not more than 12 and one-half grams is in the form of marijuana concentrate, um, is guilty of a petty offense. Guys, you want to know what a petty offense is? Wait for it. Petty offense? Misdemeanor. That's right. Misdemeanor goes on your record. $300 fine, no jail time. You could lose your job. You could lose your uh, place to live. People won't rent to you. Um, you can lose benefits. Uh, you can lose life insurance, health insurance, all sorts of stuff for having a misdemeanor in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lovely. So don't let them fool you. Petty offense. Uh, My. Yep. Okay. So B, notwithstanding any other law, a person who is under 21 years of age and who possesses, consumes, transports, or transfers without remuneration 
one ounce or less of marijuana, of which not more than five grams is in the form of marijuana concentrate, because that's all you can have is five grams of concentrate, or paraphernalia relating to the consumption of marijuana or marijuana products, one, for a first violation, shall pay a civil penalty of not more than $100 to the Smart and Safe Arizona Fund? Are you kidding me? Why the hell would they do that? Because they already have to pay $300 to the state. Oh, my. Okay, here we go. Um, established by Section 362856, and in the court's discretion, may be ordered to attend up to four hours of drug education or counseling. Wow. And I wonder if they have to pay for that out of their own pocket. Two, for a second violation, is guilty of a petty offense, a misdemeanor, and in the court's discretion may be ordered to attend up to eight hours of drug education or counseling, and that's a $300 fine. Three, for a third or subsequent violation, is guilty of a class one misdemeanor. Petty offense is a misdemeanor. A person who smokes marijuana in a public place or open space is guilty of a petty offense, a misdemeanor. D. Except as otherwise provided in Chapter 28.1 of this title and notwithstanding any other law, any unlicensed person who cultivates marijuana plants pursuant to Section 38, uh, sorry, 36-2852 where they are visible from public view without using binoculars, aircraft, or other optical aids, or outside of an enclosed area that is equipped with a lock or other security device that prevents access by a minor is guilty of... Guilty. You're showing your plants around. One, a petty offense, first-time violation. There's your misdemeanor. Two, for second or subsequent violation, a class three misdemeanor. Let's find out. I'm going to look up and find out what a class three misdemeanor is because I'm sure the fines are a lot bigger and jail time is possible. We're going to look that up, class three misdemeanor. Seriously? E, a person who is under 21 years of age and who misrepresents the person's age to any other person by means of a written instrument or identification or who uses a fraudulent or false written instrument of identification with the intent to induce a person to sell or otherwise transfer marijuana or a marijuana product to the person who is under 21 years of age is guilty of one, a first violation, a petty offense. Seriously? Two, for a second or subsequent violation, class one misdemeanor, which is the same as a petty offense. F, that's it. So if you're caught selling weed, you, you get a misdemeanor. There you go, class one misdemeanor. We'll look up all the classes of misdemeanor, folks, and I'm going to report on that next week. Yeah. Woo. Lord. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Okay. A person who is under 21 years of age and who solicits another person to purchase marijuana or marijuana products in violation of this chapter is guilty of, <laughs> for a first time, a petty offense, and second, a class three mis- uh, misdemeanor. So again, we're going to find out what that is. I just had to look up what a petty offense was because, you know, there's always some underneath all that. All right. <clears throat> 36-2854, rules licensing early applicants. B, civil penalty, legal counsel. A, the department shall adopt rules to implement and enforce this chapter and regulate marijuana, marijuana products, marijuana establishments, and marijuana testing facilities. Those rules requirements for one, licensing marijuana establishments and marijuana testing facilities, including conducting investigations, 
and background checks to determine eligibility for licensing for marijuana establishment and marijuana testing facility applicants, except A, an applicant for a marijuana establishment license or marijuana testing facility may not require the disclosure of the identity who is entitled to a share of less than 10% of the profits of an applicant that is publicly traded corporation. So let's say you have 10 people going in on a license. I guess you're cahooting and colluding. You don't have to tell who you are. There it is, folks. There it is. Oh, my God. Okay, B. <laughs> this is great. And we're almost getting to the favorite part of the show. Uh, B, uh, the department may not issue more than one marijuana establishment license for every 10 pharmacies that have registered under Section 32-1929 that have obtained a pharmacy permit from the Far- uh, Arizona Board of Pharmacy and that operates within the state. C, notwithstanding subdivision. B of this paragraph, the department may issue a marijuana establishment license to not more than two marijuana establishments per county that contains no registered nonprofit medical marijuana dispensaries or one marijuana establishment license per county that contains one registered nonprofit medical marijuana dispensary. Any license issued pursuant to the subdivision shall be a fixed county and may not be relocated out of that county. There you have it. They're changing rules already. <laughs> okay, folks. That's it. Rich up. I'll be blazing and smoking it, about to go and get some munchies next Passing up on those cracker jacks, Reese's pizzas are where it's at Gotta get me some soda pop, cotton mouth has been creeping up I can't remember where I put my keys, yeah, that's what's up I'ma take your grandpa's ride, I'ma take your grandpa's ride No, for real, ask your grandpa, can I take a 65? Deville cruising to my local Publix Nothing better than rolling with two super fly chicks They have frozen burritos, I bought frozen burritos I bought some Ben and Jerry's, and then I bought some Cheetos Hello, hello, my main man, Obama. A couple states have just reformed their laws on marijuana. What you gonna do, send the feds there? Hell no. The DEAs would be like, ah, oh, they got volcanoes. I'm gonna smoke some weed. Only got $20 in my pocket. I'm a looking for a pot shop. This is fucking She 
know about the science of marijuana? What you know about people suffering from glaucoma? They need it. They need it. It helps them with their condition. If you don't believe me, then just ask some eye physicians. Thank your granddad for voting for that guy, Richard. Nixon is the president who made the plant illegal. But science is now showing that it's medicine for people and the private sector fighting to keep all of that illegal. Alcohol and tobacco, pharmaceutical prisons. I'll take those four major lobby groups and fight those motherfuckers. They're making money day and night, all those motherfuckers. And bribing Congress out of sight, all those motherfuckers. They'd be like, oh, it's immoral and unhealthy. I'm like, how many people are you making wealth? Anti-marijuana lobbies are making all kinds of profits and they don't want you to stop it because of all the special interest. I call that getting swindled and pimped shit. I call that getting tricked by the government. That law's hella old. So it's time to update it, regulate it, and then get it under state control. Peak game, look into my political telescope. Think it's gonna stay like this forever? Not hella won't. Not hella won't. Hey, Obama, stop being a hypocrite. You used to smoke weed, I'm gonna smoke some making sure the hemp survives the day you harvest it. So you want to be a hemp farmer? Have a five-year plan. Colorado and New Mexico. Professional hemp work, like all entrepreneurialism, is a long, hard slog. Perhaps the polar opposite of a get-rich-quick scheme. You've simply got to budget for a five-year road to positive revenue flow. What I've noticed in the years I've been observing the industry is that folks either understand that going in after one or two seasons. We could have given up after we got bunk seed in year one or when the crop wrongly tested hot in year two, Aaron Rydell of Salt Creek Hemp tells me fairly often. It wasn't just a strain on our business. It was a strain on our marriage. But Salt Creek is doing all right now. Year three, I asked him what all right meant. Five figures in the bank, a used combine parked next to the barn, and a healthy crew, he said. Not yet Silicon Valley executive remuneration, but I have little doubt that Salt Creek's dogged persistence and righteous intent will get them there if they want that. In fact, 
I believe most of us launching today in the independent regenerative niche have a strong shot at thriving if we stick with it, own our mistakes, and pay attention to a marketplace evolving at speed. And of course, if nature smiles on our fields. Despite the hurdles, despite the temptations of the CBD craze, despite the coming regulations, and yes, despite the crooked middlemen, many of us early participants remain bullish about the regenerative side of the hemp industry's long-term future because of a very strong card we hold, the value packed into each acre of hemp. But it will usually take several seasons of work. That's why we've been generally sidestepping discussion of the gold rushers who are all in for maximum short-term profit. In a not untypical case, I recently got an email from a fellow I met at a conference who said his group wants to buy a million pounds of flour from me and my partners, roughly the equivalent of the state of Oregon's entire harvest in 2018. When someone throws that large a number at you, you might as well save time and delete the message, said Kentucky's Joe Hick of Halcyon Holdings now a permitted hemp cultivator of hundreds of acres. Joe was one of the fellows alongside Woody Harrelson when the latter was arrested for planting four hemp seeds back in 1996. He added, I suppose it wouldn't hurt to ask him to deposit payment for the order, but you'll never hear from him again. That's how it is in most every race. The horse that bolts fastest out of the gate isn't often the one who crosses the finish line in the money. Joe and thousands more of us are, if not yet seasoned veterans, at least beyond the honeymoon phase. We're the ones who no longer skip around gushing about hemp's 25,000 uses, but rather the ones trying to do better than break even in just way on one. If you're wise, you'll go in aware that your uncle's back 20 is not a check to be cashed. It's a long-term project. If you think you'll make a killing off your first crop, you might as well save your seed money and buy lottery tickets. Farming and marketing are full-time jobs, day in and day out. Here on the ranch, for example, my writing day has once again been interrupted by an actual hemp matter. This evening's issue had me, until a minute ago, calculating the number of fluid ounces in a gallon as I plan the next pressing of hemp in hemp. How many gallons factored on our three-ounce product bottles can I produce while keeping it both farm-to-table and 100% organic? Both are components of the real-world playbook if one aims to be a regenerative entrepreneur. The Salt Creek Hemp team knows this. Poster children of the farmer-entrepreneur model in action, Aaron and wife Margaret Pizzi even own a store in economically reeling Colbrand, Colorado, just to try to jumpstart the low economy with the multiplier effect. What they want from their 11 acres, just as much as dough, is to enlist their fellow struggling cattle farming neighbors in a regional hemp processor. We've harvested at or for our neighbors just to get them on the road. Non-stop work for years is a non-issue for the kind of entrepreneurs who don't throw in the towel after the inevitable season-up call. The end game is just, you know, the revival of rural America, the rebirth of Main Street. The quality all initial players I've met share is indeed ability, the trait they all lack. Unwind 
beginners to hemp. We're beginners. A in Kentucky tobacco farm in company criticism of the performance seed he had planted in 2016 said, well, heck, they've only been at it 20 years up there. Up to that point, I had thought the Canadians were the wizened pros of the crop, but Kendall's tobacco genetics go back a century and With very few exceptions, we've all just been called up to the majors. And this is why I'm sympathetic to all those exuberant newcomers who want to see what happens when they throw an acre or 20 of hemp in the ground, as opposed to the school of seasoned farmers who sometimes espouse the, man, what are these greenhorns thinking, planting without developing products and markets first viewpoint. The way I see it, we've all got to start somewhere. Yes, having a post-harvest game plan is vital. But you don't know squat until you've actually tried to grow this crop. So plant away, people. Only 1% of Americans are farming today, as opposed to 90% in George Washington's day, and 30% when cannabis hemp prohibition began in 1937. A return to a 30% farming society is a viable goal. It's not a flash in the pan. There is real demand for our products. When Hempbound came out in 2014, there were zero federally legal hemp acres planted in the United States. In 2017, there were 23,343 acres. In 2018, 78,176. Unsurprisingly, projections for 2019 acreage are for 175,000 acres, according to Eric Steenstra, executive director of the advocacy group Vote Hemp. The emerging wider biomaterials economy really does have the potential to transform the worldwide industrial pipeline into a regenerative mode. Visualize compostable cell phones with both their outer plastic casings and their interior battery components made from your and my favorite crop. The latest versions will be like vehicles powered by batteries that are charged sun. Yet hemp is such a toddler, it can hardly even be considered a niche crop by big picture agronomists. Those 78,176 acres in 2018, that's compared to 89.1. Mow corn doing little good to farmer, consumer, or soil was down 1% in 2018. Domestic hemp acreage grew 334%. So the trend is in our direction. Only 89 million acres to go, or 234 million if we set the bar at overtaking corn, soy, cotton, and wheat acreage. But the shift is on, and we're gaining past. Let's say we do rally collectively as a mass movement of independent hemp entrepreneurs in this bottom of the ninth. What does wider world victory look like? How do these regenerative values that hemp is about to popularize strengthen The venture scooped up 13,000 square feet of abandoned warehouse space in what had been a ghost town corner of our nearest town, Silver State. The space, formerly the metal and machine shop for our region's copper mining conglomerate, terrifying industrial-grade equipment do everything from manufacture aircraft components to dismember a guy like me in under a second. 
Prince and his team have supplemented the analog hardware with sewing machines and a rack of 3D printers. Future Forge's plan? Reclaim the local economy and rebuild Main Street by producing everything possible here from renewable materials, Prince told me recently as we toured the three football field-sized facilities. Though it has a gorgeous Wild West-era Main Street and an organic ice cream truck, Silver City needs We should make from the at the moment for the go for my kids and tell You can access all of Forge's equipment for sixty dollars per month. Family joined. As the tools democracy the future localizes, Prince said, farmers and Digerati brothers on the same mission for the same reasons. We are already plotting the end of disposable plastics in our county. And so the late rally begins. As I left the Future Forge headquarters that day, I found myself thinking about comedian Kevin Hart's bit, which describes to find himself living not among other actors and comedians, but among dentists and lawyers. Therefore, he's nudging his kids to become dentists or lawyers so they too can live in proofy neighborhoods. To dentists and lawyers, I'd like to add farmers and healthy product makers. There is no dentist aid concert. Much as I adore the music, it'd be fantastic not to need farm aid. So as you glean the hopefully practical tips embedded in this book's page, I hope you'll also keep this desired result in mind. Living in a world where parents tell their kids, work hard, and someday you might grow up to be a farmer. Chapter 9, Combining Killed the Radio Star, Oregon and Vermont, 2018. The secret is to bang the rocks together, guys. Douglas Adams, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If there was one stretch of the hemp calendar that I thought I had nailed down as a veteran of a dozen wrists, it was the seed is ready. I could recite the mantra in my harvest when 70% of the seed is ripe, meaning it's emerging from its calyx, leafy seed cocoon, and can't be crushed by squeezing between your fingers. I'd lived by these few rules without fail in my own fields, taught them to friends, partners, and research colleagues, and wrote about them in my journalism. Then, 2018 happened. When your crop is on its own harvest calendar. As usual, the samurai was taking a long time to mature on both coasts. I'd call the cultivar's long season one of its few flaws. Its seed-to-harvest cycle is 120 days easy. Some cultivars are done at closer to 100. We're working on this in our breeding efforts. Still, late maturing seed had been a previous year's mid-season panic. I knew to be patient because the payoff was worth it. We will sell no hemp before its time and similar platitudes. For whatever reason, though, buyers, latest planting, this season, the Oregon crop was taking even longer. Halloween was approaching. Margaret was already putting together costumes for our planned October 31st harvest. When I dipped into the Emerald Triangle on October 28th, outrunning seeping bog from Kilauea, which was erupting while I was working on a Hawaii project, 
The seeds were maybe 50% ripe across our three-acre field. I didn't want to believe my eyes. But when I checked the same flower cluster each successive morning leading to harvest, impressively seed-dense though they were, and looked as though they were ripening maybe 3% per day. Much as I loved the tasty seed sampling these dewy strolls included, I did not enjoy the feeling of squishing so many green ones mere days before harvest. There were hundreds of thousands of seeds packing the sea of banana-sized flower clusters, but nearly half weren't fully brown or emerging from Alex. The hemp decided it was on its own schedule, not mine. On the other side of North America, Carrie, Colin, and Aaron surprised me by reporting the same 50 to 60% ripeness in Vermont. In that East Coast field, snow and hard frost had come and gone twice all, and while the hemp was proving as hardy as ever, mostly not noticing the weather and recovering immediately when bowed by intense wind, Vermont was my destination immediately following the Oregon harvest. Regardless of the seed ripeness percentage, we had no choice but to harvest. It was time. That had become my routine in 2018. First learn how to do something from Edgar and Margaret, then hop on a plane or into the camper and do it again with the Vermont team. Worked at planting. But what I was proposing for harvest was a plan B to say the least. The reason you aim for 70% seed ripeness at harvest is this. Whether you harvest by combine, oxen, or hand, you're going to shake some overripe seeds loose in the harvesting process. Consider it bird prenatal care. To my mind, it's also in sync with the biblical mandate to leave the corners of your field for anyone who may need the harvest. The resulting feeling of moral righteousness slightly reduces the stress of parting with valuable seed. When you hit that 70% seed ripeness clever humans have discovered over the millennia, your loss will be at a minimum. You'll have seed too ripe and some not ripe enough, but you'll maximize your seed harvest like Goldilocks to just ripe porridge. Since we've seen how I reacted to a text about a few yellow leaves, you can imagine my dreamscape those first nights in Oregon after another day spent walking a crop that was not ready for harvest by any definition of ready that I knew and trusted other than its enchanting fragrance. It looked like harvest time to every plant and animal in southern Oregon except our hemp crop, but Edgar was unperturbed. That won't be a lock jam, he said. Crop's close enough to finish that the seeds will ripen to 70% while we dry them. At least 70, you'll see. That seed drying process is an energy Gore-Tex. It finishes the crop for us. There won't be any gridlog. By this point, I suspect most readers will be unsurprised to learn that my hemp professor was completely correct. We got the harvest drying, and three days later, the seed crop was 70% ripe, maybe 80. Seeds were too strong to crush. The harvest was a success. The crop, a healthy and a valuable one. Every hemp harvest is a lesson or two. Oregon's in 2018 were, one, social media loves a pic of hemp farmers harvesting in Bernie Sanders masks, and two, as long as you get your seed drying immediately, you'll be okay if your harvest is a bit wet and green at 60% seed ripeness. It's not plan A, but then what in hemp is? What in life is? Contemplating a hand harvest. While the seed ripening issue was being dealt with, 2018 also became the year I found a way to make an efficiency argument for my preferred mode of harvesting, namely using human hands, perhaps aided in large acreage fields, 
by some of our stronger non-human friends like pack horses and oxen. The question I'd been looking into was, can people do as good a job as John Deere? Just so there are no secrets about my motives, the reasons I prefer hand harvesting to diesel combine harvesting in order are, one, it's quieter, I like to hear bees, two, it uses less petroleum, and three, it allows more time for berry picking. Since on both coasts, the samurai crops were in the three-acre range, we had a genuine choice to make. Three acres is a lot of ground, 130,000 square feet. And yet, not so much. From a high vantage point, you can see your entire field in your frame of vision. So we weighed the pros and cons. To hand harvest or fire up the combine, that was the question, for several weeks. In Vermont, where there are about six combines in the whole state, we always had Charlie waiting in the wings, meditating over a brew in his Yankee farmer retro sheet garb. We'd call the backwoods genius should we cave to the combine's alleged efficiency. He'd find a machine. He'd make it work. But you can summon a Charlie only so often, and I wanted to save him for a forthcoming solar jetpack idea. In Oregon, too, we'd been pricing combine rentals in the weeks leading to harvest. The Emerald Triangle, that mountainous region known for high-value specialty crops like grapes, cannabis, and Shakespeare Festival tourists, didn't have many either. Plus, Edgar and I acutely remembered our adventures in seed drill malfunction five months earlier. The industry was going so acutely ballistic in Oregon by 2018 that even finding farming equipment available for rent, let alone cleaned before returning, was becoming a challenge. It was a seller's market, from wheelbarrows to farmland. Oregon had 230 hemp applicants in 2017. Edgar holds permit number one from 2015. The Beaver State had 560 in 2018. There were only 3,546 permits issued. By 2019, Oregon had 1,500 farmers planting 50,000 acres. In the end, we decided to hand harvest in Oregon that Halloween. Nothing like grandchildren and cousins to beef up a work crew. Edgar's brother-in-law, Mikey, brought a crossbow with him in case venison was to be our all hallows Eve course. We wound up shooting the hay bale target we labeled with a sign reading, Prohibition. Turns out, hand harvesting, despite hemp's famously long taproots and samurai's 10-foot average height, is pretty easy, especially when you plant tight as Edgar somehow knew to advise that year. I got an idea on spacing, he told me back in the spring when suggesting we plant about twice the per acre poundage that I would have predicted. He started heading to the center of the field. Come out here and tell me what you say. I'd previously planted samurai ganja-like on those 15 and 30-inch bases, harvesting the resulting hemp redwoods. These had defeated both our combine and our arms, requiring machetes in some sections. But Edgar was proposing 7-inch plant and 7-inch row spacings in 2018. We might get a little less flour and seed for plant, he said, but I bet it'll be close and it'll make our life a heck of a lot easier come harvest. That sounds logistical, I said, suggesting we go for it in the name of agronomic research. 
Covering the field 120 days later with three teams of two people, plus dogs and bees, I am so glad we did. It took us two and a half very pleasant days to harvest that Oregon field. Each human harvesting machine bent one stalk at a time down for a one-ton chest-high grain bag. Once a stalk was arced gracefully over a bag, the farmer shucked off the seed and flower with a single sliding motion. Just like that, the seed and flower harvest was done for that plant, only 180,000 to go. That left the fiber. When ready to pull the stalk from the soil, the farmer assumed a sort of wide straddle stance. What followed was a medium-strength yank, lifting from the legs, of course. Thanks to the thinner plants, hand-pulling fiber proved surprisingly doable. Perhaps one in ten plants required an extra pull or grunt. Suddenly, upon shaking off all the luscious mocha, highly organic aggregate stuck to the roots, we add another stalk of top-shelf textile-grade fiber to add to the growing piles. Time for another mouthful of blackberries. These breaks ended when, chin dripping with juice, you noticed another team's seed bag a few rows over was getting way ahead of yours. This was a half-dozen people's waking lives in five- and ten-hour stretches for several days. It all looked very Halloween-y as the field cleared and the fiber piles grew. The emerald forest was spotting and rusting, ready for a winter coat and a rest. So was I. I noticed I was engaging entirely unfamiliar primeval muscle groups completely distinct from the planting time muscles. This is farming, Edgar said at sunrise on November 1st as we hobbled back to the field for the second day of harvest. Work until you drop. Get up and do it again. Repeat until death. <laughs> I still pick farming over anything indoors. We wore our Halloween costumes again on day two, since they were already torn and covered with bits of leaves glued on by trichomes. Edgar dressed as Bernie. I was, somewhat predictably, a space cadet. Doug Fine, American Hemp Farmer Adventures and Misadventures in the Cannabis Trade, right here on Weed Wednesday, everybody. Thank you for be here for you guys. We're always sorry that the um, cut out. Okay, well, clear your head, hug her, whatever. <laughs>